0: Welcome to Sound and Vision,
1: conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is proudly sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden makes the best acrylic paints, mediums, and gesso in the business. They also make core watercolors and Williamsburg oil paints. Based in New Berlin in upstate New York, they're an employee-owned company dedicated to making the best supplies for you to make your best work. Check out their products in just about any art store or at goldenpaints.com. Megan Brady is a painter who lives and works in Midcoast, Maine. Using painting, printmaking, drawing, and ceramics, Megan explores the possibilities of an open process including elements of the human form and abstraction. Megan shows with Mrs. Gallery in New York City, she was featured by Mrs. Nada House on Governor's Island this past summer. and She's been included in exhibitions at the Portland Museum of Art and recently had a solo exhibition at the University of Maine Museum of Art. She's been a resident at the McDowell Colony, Hoon Oaks, the Ellis Beauregard Foundation, and Tiger Strikes Asteroid in Brooklyn, New York. Megan is a graduate of Smith College and Boston University's MFA program in painting. I caught up with Megan from her studio in Maine. Here's our conversation. How's Maine?
0: Maine is, Maine is great. We're in what yeah. we call, we call it secret <laughs> summer, you know, where it's so beautiful um, once the kids, well, when the kids go back to school about now and the tourists all leave and it's like, it's like quiet and gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Is that what? makes is that the secret part of it the
0: secret part is that the tourists are gone that it's not like slammed oh, right. with slammed with summer insanity it gets insane it's insane around here in the summer
1: hey i've been i'm one of those people who comes yeah up there. i mean i don't yeah, blame
0: you yeah. it's beautiful
1: it's really nice mm-hmm. but uh, how's secret winter <laughs> secret <laughs> know, it, ha-ha. <laughs>
0: yeah secret <laughs> winter secret winter is actually really awesome too yeah yeah secret winter is like how we get so much work done because there's nothing else going on.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine it really gets kind of uh, productive. Although that it, it must be so cold.
0: You know, we're on the water. I mean, not like literally, like we're not actually on the water, but our town is right on the Penobscot. And I think because mm-hmm. we're close to the ocean, um, it's a little bit temperate. Um, inland, you go inland, even my mother-in-law lives like four miles from us inland. And it's, like, just a totally different zone. It's a different gardening zone. It's a different, it just feels, like, more, like, winter, like, real winter. And it's, like, winter light downtown. Like, it'll be, like, raining downtown and snowy up where she is. So, and then the further west you go in Maine, like, the more real the winter becomes. But it is cold. brutal, those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It is cold. Well, I mean, it it gets
1: cold everywhere in the northeast. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you figure some places might be a little more. Like, once you get to your studio, you're not leaving. Although, do you work from home? Um, no. Like, I've, is your studio where you live?
0: It was, it, but no, I have a studio now that's, like, a 15-minute drive from here in Rockland. Um, when, yeah. when did you do that? So, two years ago, um, I got... Okay. Yeah. Um, so, two years ago, I got... I This new foundation started based in Rockland, and they offer studio space and a stipend. And mm-hmm. I was like... I was like, I love my studio behind my house. Why would I ever, you know, switch it up like in that way that we're all just like totally our own worst enemies? Like I almost didn't do it. And I ended up applying for it and I got the residency And the school. The residency is based in this old school, a former school where actually Louise Nevelson went to school in this building and played basketball on this very basketball court. Anyway, it's just like, you know, the way schools are so beautifully proportioned and well built from over a hundred years ago with big windows and yeah. it completely changed my work um it was fantastic it's been it's been such a game changer for me so I ended up at the residency lasted for six months and then I stayed on as a tenant because I was so happy there and I just I can't go back to my old studio behind our house it's an old garage that Gideon converted for me and yeah. it's cozy and simple and wonderful and it was great well, the girls were little, but I could, like now I'm at this point where I can hear them like screaming inside if I'm in that <laughs> garage studio. <laughs> and I was it, like, I really need no, to good for <laughs> concentration. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> really need to expand things here. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm very happy in my faraway studio.
1: That's good. Yeah. Is it in the winter when you get there? Do you just want to stay there forever? <laughs> not, yeah. Not back?
0: Oh, yeah. No, there are times when it's snowing. And I mean, I just I never want to leave my studio anyway. I mean no matter right. what the weather's like. Um, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, it's... That's, the, that,
1: that's something that we kind of like grapple in our minds with is like, I, I feel like I've said it before like a bunch of times that when I'm in the studio and it's like hour four, hour five, and you just hit that zone of working, I feel like that's the best. I don't, I don't want to say it's the best time in my life because it's not because family and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but there's something, it's like the most at, ease in a way even if it's a struggle Mm I don't know there's something almost like meditative about it and really great
0: I totally agree yeah you get into a you just let yourself get into a certain space like where you go through all the things like you go I'm like I'm always like starving hungry when I get to my studio and then and then I'm like I'm like lonely and then sometimes I get a little like bored but then you finally like work through all those things and then you get into that zone I always Gideon and I equate it to like that feeling like when you sort of nod off on the couch or something like that and then you're like, What was I asleep? I can't I can't really remember if I was asleep <laughs> or not. But you can tell like there's like a feeling in your mouth that you can tell that you've been unconscious. Sometimes I feel like that way when I'm working in my studio. It's not that I'm unconscious, but it's like I get into like a, such a zone that I can almost feel it like physically that I've like sort of gone like gotten to another level.
1: Yeah. Definitely. I feel like um there's been so many times when like i, I just want to work and work and work, and I'll get hungry, and it I feel like annoyed because it totally. slows me down. It's like okay, now I've gotta take twenty minutes here, figure out what I'm gonna do to like eat so I don't get a headache or whatever it is, so food becomes fuel, you yes, know? yes, and to the family who loves food and that it's not it's just you know fuel it's it's the this experience that's mm-hmm. kind of like a weird thought to them, you know what mm-hmm, I mean like, mm-hmm. oh. Like I don't really care what I eat. I just want to be able to keep going.
0: No, you just need like uh like a bag of nuts or something like that. Yeah. Like I know I totally I I am so annoyed by food so much of the time. Yes, I completely agree. Like how much time we spend thinking about it, planning for it, cleaning up after ourselves. Like, but really in the studio, you just need like yeah that can of spinach or something like that to.
1: Yeah. To or my espresso through. machine.
0: Yeah, I know. Or just like <laughs> skip food entirely and just go straight to caffeine.
1: And that, yeah, I have it that staves topic. off hunger. Yeah, is it socially acceptable to have eight cups of coffee a day? Is <laughs> I think that it's like... if
0: you're your social world, yes, <laughs> yeah, right.
1: But it does the job. It really does. So, so are you a Maine lifer? Like, were you born in? Maine? No,
0: I'm so not a Maine lifer. And also in Maine, that doesn't matter. You have to be like three generations to actually be from Maine, Um oh, like a a deep, com-
1: a deep roots. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, so I am from Connecticut. I grew up an hour outside of New York, pretty much like halfway between New Haven and New York City on okay. the Long Island Sound. It's a great place to grow up and to Wh- be from. What
1: is it? Is there a Metro North stop? Along yes,
0: it's Riverside, Riverside, Connecticut. OK. Yeah. Right. Um, it's not a place that I would go back to now, but um, it was a great place to be from. So, yeah, grew up like with New York City there and all New York had to offer it was like kind of a big part of how I just like learned about painting and so on. like my mom would take us to the Met and stuff and the modern and all those and it was always felt were they
1: were they creative too?
0: My parents are creative, but not in um not as like artists at all. Um, they're very like hands- on people. My dad's an engineer, and my mom is you know an incredible cook and gardener and she's always like re chairs and sewing curtains and stuff like that and sewing things and she likes to she um does a lot of rug hooking too so she thinks about painting that way so in knitting and yeah and they're very like kind of outdoors sailors yeah
1: so so they bring creativity to their daily life
0: they do they do definitely
1: (laughs) But you so being so close to the city, you were able to go in and kind of take advantage of all the museums mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you were doing that like from early age.
0: Yeah, from an an ish age. I mean, we certainly did other things too, besides go to museums. Obviously, when we re- when we got to a certain age. But um, no, I actually one one thing I was thinking about this when I was thinking about talking to you. So when I was a teenager, um a good friend of mine, who she's still a good friend, my good friend Sue, went to camp with um, Thomas Neskowski's son Kaz. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she said we should go see Kaz's dad's show. And of course I'd never been to a gallery or anything. I was just like a dumb teenager. And so we went we saw his paintings and then we went to Kaz's house to hang out with him and Tom Neskowski was there and he gave us a tour of that amazing old temple that they lived in. Mm-hmm. And we got to ask a bunch of like of questions, you know, like about um, what it meant, you know, just like what he was up to and like why he wasn't signing the front of the painting. You know, it was, you know those sort of silly questions. And he was so <laughs> generous and sweet and patient with us. And I remember him just talking about how like a painter needs to paint where they fry their eggs or something like that. He had some comment about like, um, yeah, you you paint where you make your breakfast or something that was just about incorporating his life into his studio yeah but that was like an eye opener for me I was like oh there really are people who actually do this it's not just about museums and yeah I had an aunt I have an aunt who's a curator so I I kind of knew it from that vantage point but not from like the actual like making vantage point
1: right but those are that's two pretty good I don't want to say role models but you know examples of you know being creative integrating it into your daily life Mm -hmm. I mean a curator and then Tom Naskowski
0: yeah, yeah, I know Tom. <laughs> <It's Advent.
1: guys. laughs> like mine was like the guy down the street who had a little art studio. Right. You know, and he was just like selling little plein air paintings and stuff. But
0: right. But, but still incorporated. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it was great. He was, he was, uh, you know, he was really happy doing what he was doing. It was like a little place in Pittsburgh, you know. That's but awesome. Yeah, that's, a, but Tom, I feel like is such a, I, I don't know. Well, he's a, he's a teacher too. So I'm sure that helps him communicate. Really well to do. Stu- I never had him as a teacher. I wish I did. But yeah. I've heard stories, but um just in knowing him and him talking about his work, it's like mm-hmm. you know he's pretty poetic about the whole process of it.
0: Poetic and sort of pithy and like mm-hmm. out there. There's some great films that Kaz made, or one or two that I can think of. Kaz made of taking a walk with his dad, and his dad's like sort of seeing things in the ground. That he was like, I can make a painting from this, you know, and, and Kaz sort of editorializes a little bit about how, <laughs> I don't know, just how out there his dad is. It's good. You should look at them.
1: <laughs> is that, is it online?
0: Yes, yeah, online. You can Google it. I'll check it out.
1: Cool. Yeah. So you had that early exposure. And mm-hmm. then were you doing art in school at all? Was it something that you were getting into early on?
0: Like in college or, um, or even high school? High school, yeah, part? yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I. I always loved making things and using my hands and all of that. So, um, I did, yeah, I did a fair amount of art in high school and, and then I did that RISD summer program, which was fantastic. Um, but I was recently right. talking to a friend about it. It made me realize that I didn't want to go to art school. Like I think up until then I was like, Oh, I'll go to RISD or something, but I don't know. There was something about it that as much as, as much fun as I had that summer, uh, it was just clear to me that I wanted something more, um, I don't know, wide ranging in my education maybe. I mean, as much as I knew anything, I didn't know anything, but um, yeah, it's some idea.
1: That's early on to have that realization. You're like, this seems a little narrow. Yeah. I want to, like a university seems like a better pick or something wider, like liberal arts, because I want to study more than just, or was it studying more or you just wanted to be exposed to more than just making art at that point? I
0: think, um I don't know if studying more um i think I think i just i think I just didn't want to spend all my time making art, yeah, I wanted to do yeah. other things um yeah, and i and then i then I had this idea because of my aunt who's the curator and and sort of having gone to the museums and everything that I would study art history, so I was like that makes sense that's practical right to study art history I
1: don't know I can get a job yeah I can get a job
0: (laughs) I'll be able to like wear nice shoes if I get a job as an art historian (laughs) I feel like art historians are like the best dressers um yeah I don't know I don't know I don't know what I was thinking who knows right you're so you're so naive when you're that age or at least I was
1: no, I was too. I think you just blindly, in a way, you kind of have to blindly go at it. Yeah. Because I think nowadays kids have a lot more resources if yes. they want it. Like, they, you could just find stuff out by right. looking looking it up. We could yeah. you know, I, I couldn't really do that as easily. So. No, I couldn't either. <laughs> you just come up with ideas based on, you know, oh, this... Art historians wear nice shoes. They probably have a good job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. You should do that. Yeah, you're like undeveloped 17 year old brain is like making huge decisions for your future. But yeah, you just barrel forward, I guess.
1: Right. So, so what was the college decision or, you know, how did you yeah. decide on that?
0: Yeah, it's so romantic. My college decision basically was that I like completely fell in love with painting. Like I took a painting class, um, I went to a school where the art history was really strong Um, and I mean probably in some ways I was sort of intimidated by how strong it was but I really I loved I just yeah I just just completely I we started landscape painting actually that's what really did it for me was painting landscape Um, and it was a combination I remember looking at like Richard Diebenkorn or something like that and that really changed everything for me too. There was like a kind of, I still think of it as sort of like a sort of generosity in the way that he constructs a painting and it like left enough, um, like he leaves enough showing sort of in how the painting is made that it kind of just gave me that in that I was like I can do this. It's not that I could be as good as Diebenkorn, it wasn't that I was thinking that but it just he made it look easy, even though it's it can be so hard and yeah I mean, I'm not but easy it? it's, uh, luscious or I don't know something. I was really seduced by those paintings
1: yeah i feel I, Diebenkorn was one of those for me too. There was like the Morris Lewis mm-hmm. and Olitsky uh, and then the Diebenkorn like those painters had that there was something accessible to the language of it mm-hmm. that it was just paint and just you know with abstraction it wasn't. You know, hyper realistic still mm-hmm. life or whatever so I felt like oh okay this is something that I can enter but there was something kind of exotic and mysterious about it too because I it was like wait yes. how did they figure out to make work like this yes you know? yes it seemed even more confusing like the representational painting seemed daunting and just the having the facility to do it mm-hmm. but the abstraction had this more um, I don't know it was more compelling to me this mystery mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. it's like why, how did they come up with that
0: yes I think that's what it is it's like that yeah it's that combination of like of a way in and then with enough mystery to kind of leave it still just something that's hard to to unravel visually but enough that you feel like you can go in there and start painting on your own yeah it was very inspiring to me Um, yeah and I went to school in the Connecticut River Valley um, at Smith and there's the way the landscape is around there, there are all these like dikes that they've built, you know, in the WPA era to like hold the river back, to hold the Connecticut River back from like flooding everywhere. And um, it creates a kind of like geometry in the landscape there that um, that I was able to sort of like almost use as a way to, I don't know, contain the painting or um construct a painting still based on representation and I still think about that like I think that's still like in me a little bit you know that funny thing about how people change so much over a lifetime like people you haven't seen for 15 years or something but they'll also be kind of like the same person essentially I think that there's something sort of like essential that I picked up um, then from the landscape and landscape painting and from Diebenkorn that I still carry kind of in my back pocket
1: Yeah, I I think that's really true. Like, once you spend enough years doing it, you can kind of look back and think, oh, I've made these changes. You can see the the kind of paths that you've taken, but you can kind of draw the lines back to those early moments of inspiration or the things that really, you know, like I saw very early on, I grew up in Pittsburgh and I saw the, the show of Van Gogh and Japanese Prince, and it was so... Like amazing, to, you know. I, I couldn't put it in context then, but I just remember being like, "Wow, this is crazy! Like this is so cool! Mm-hmm. Like it seemed so." The Van Goghs I knew, or at least I knew about Van Gogh, mm-hmm. and then the Ukiyo-e stuff I didn't know at all. But it kind of worked together, and and it just kind of blew my mind mm-hmm. before I even knew that it was blowing my mind. Mm-hmm. And I can trace a lot of my work back to that. So cool. Still to this today, you know. Yeah. So it's it's kind of great. It's comforting because you'll always hear those people who say like oh their work hasn't changed much over the years Mm -hmm. you know but I think deep down or no matter how much people change their work you can really if you look deeply at it you kind of see their you know fingerprints all through it Mm -hmm. you know in some way or another
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it's like a comforting for me I think it's more comforting than anything else
0: yeah and being a parent too you recognize or just being around kids like you recognize like there's something so essential in every person, like just from the minute they're born, Definitely. like it would make sense that that would translate to one's like studio practice too, that they're like these are sort of essential qualities that stay with you.
1: Right. And I think that's, it's a funny jump, but I feel like, you know how there's certain artists or people Musicians, whatever it is, they're just like exceptional and exceptionally different and Mm -hmm. special in a way. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's just those people. They're Mm -hmm. just another level of people. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, totally.
1: I was just listening. There's something. Go ahead.
0: Oh, I was going to say, I was just listening to it, just makes me think. I was listening to something. I was watching like an old interview with Bjork. And I feel like she's Mm -hmm. like one of those people that's like 100% herself all the time. And she yeah. was talking about how she's been really lucky because when she was young, she sort of formed this group of like punk friends who are around her and that they've, they've continued, I don't know if this is to the present day, Maybe this is like a 10 year old video or something, but it's like, she said that they basically like were around her and protected her from so many things. Like she didn't have to like make a lot of decisions around money and she just has been allowed just to be a hundred percent herself. Um, And I feel like she's, like, one of those, like, outstanding, like, kind of outliers, like, in terms of, like, keeping her core kind of weirdness, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know.
1: They're on their own path in some sort of way, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. when I was at Skowhegan, one of the faculty or the resident faculty was Tom Friedman, Mm -hmm. and I remember we were sharing electronic music a bunch, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're talking about electronic music because we were both into that and then I had him in the studio and his critique was so like out there like it was great (laughs) but it was just you know like I couldn't connect I I don't think I was there yet mentally to to wrap Mm -hmm. my mind around what he was saying about the work but I just remember him being that kind of artist and person who's just you know he's on his his track it's just Mm -hmm. like another level or something Mm -hmm. (laughs) totally
0: I don't remember didn't he make a sculpture out of like fingernail clippings or something like that I'm
1: not sure this isn't pretty great, yeah, pretty great. S- he spoke when I was in grad school and he talked about painting his studio all white and bringing in like an object from home each day and thinking like what can I make art about uh-huh. with this uh-huh. and I remember him talking about the tennis ball and he just picked the fuzz off of it and then made <laughs> a pile of tennis ball fuzz and at that <laughs> stage of my art life it just blew my mind you know I I just couldn't it's like wow! How do you think of that? <laughs> and then it's this amazing, beautiful thing at the end of it, right? I exactly. Pretty inspiring.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, he, you, w-
1: what kind of work were you making in college? I mean, were you, you were just taking like some intro classes and landscape paintings, and
0: yeah, I made <laughs> I made landscape paintings. I made a bunch of drawings. I mean, I feel like my school was really my teachers were kind of out of that like kind of post-war figurative school probably i think a lot of them had gone to yale um but i think one of the one of the things i really took away from my experience painting with them in particular is that to go back to this kind of like thing about uh demon corn and the abstraction versus representation and accessible and mystery mysterious qualities is that I think my teachers all had this sense that there was a kind of a unsolvable puzzle to painting and that's something I think about still too like there was always like I like I worked with Stanley Lewis not at Smith but at Chautauqua and he he was all about sort of like unlocking this thing that he like couldn't figure out and he just was always sort of at the mercy of it um, and but driven by it too
1: yeah I think that's the the ever-driving force of art you know is that yeah you can't, it's funny we're all trying to figure something out but you don't figure it out
0: yeah yeah because i
1: feel like mu- music is similar it's like a parallel but people are just trying to make other people sing inside or something right it's mo- it's, it's like a more direct line into someone else's body but mm-hmm. with art it's uh, artist is this more reflective sort of um you're like referencing other images it's like a coded language in a way mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's never figure outable
0: no. which is
1: i always tell my students when they're like yeah I, I just really want like i can't figure out this painting or i can't i you know they're frustrated and i say listen you'll never you're never going to figure it out it's like this endless you you just get closer and closer maybe in your mind, but you're if, if you ever figured it out, you would kill it. It would be over. Right, exactly. You know? Yeah, like so no take, one really take the
0: burden off your shoulder, like I know. But Have then like what it. what keeps you going yeah, so it keeps you going forward because you can't figure it out? So then obviously like we're in it for a different reason than than we sort of say we are. Like it's not for figuring it out, so it's just for what is it for?
1: It's for the... For me, I think it's for the journey, like the exploration.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: then also, too, selfishly, the process is Mm -hmm. so much... You get so much out of the process of doing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, for, you know, all the distance people want to put between, quote-unquote, fine art and craft, it's... I mean, there is a craft to making work, and there's a process there that you either love it or hate it, but you're usually pretty embedded into it you know Mm -hmm. I love just making the things Mm -hmm. that's part of it as well
0: I do too yeah I'm with you
1: like you never really know as much as you try to plan how it's going to feel when it's done and and to me that's really the the part because it's not like I don't know how you feel when you finish something do you feel really tied to it and you don't want to give it away or don't want to move on from it or do you just feel okay like on to the next
0: no I'm on to the next
1: Yeah, I am too. I can't. I'm not worried about the one I finished.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I have like a brief moment of feeling sort of like pleased with it all or excited, mostly excited, and then I'm just ready for the next thing.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think because if if you were just like, oh, yeah, I nailed it, that's a a wrap. (laughs) 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 All right, I'm going to go study something else now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just move on from it.
0: Check that off the list. Yeah. Right.
1: (laughs) Yep, I nailed it. onto a new profession. <laughs> I know.
0: Marine biology, here I come.
1: <laughs> Sound engineer, here I come. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Not me, you. I
1: don't <laughs> so, did were your professors at college kind of giving you the um grad school as the thing to do? Go get your masters or was that what was um, the relationship?
0: Yeah. I you know, that's a good question. I don't um I think it just felt like I wanted to keep doing it. I, I took two years between undergrad and grad school. I wanted to keep painting and so, you know, I worked like random jobs and did that. And then yeah, I think that they were I remember one professor in particular was encouraging of applying to grad school and and then I you know, at that that point actually I met Gideon before I went to grad school, so like he kind of and he was back teaching at Hampshire at that point and um Like, he just kind of helps me make sense of of what it meant to be a painter, I think, at that point. Yeah.
1: He had kind of gone through the whole school process and was doing his thing at that point.
0: Yeah, he was, like, all official on the other side of it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Official. (laughs) Graduated from that process. Yeah. (laughs) No, but, I mean, it's always good to... Like, whenever I was going from undergrad to grad school, I didn't have any people that i knew who went through grad school it was like a blind you know what i mean i just applied to a few because some of my teachers were like well you should just apply it can't hurt right so i just applied to them you know and i didn't know anything about the process right and again there was no internet to like go on and google like grad school interviews yeah this school versus that school you know what i mean it wasn't it wasn't there and where did you you grew up in pennsylvania I know, right? Yeah, Pit- it's okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, at Penn State and I went to I, I well, I grew up in Pittsburgh, but I went to Penn State for undergrad. Yeah, right. So, you know, I leaned on my teachers who were great and mm-hmm. but they only had certain experiences. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you just kinda make a choice, I think.
0: Yeah. I think yeah, exactly. You know sort of vaguely what your options are and you just move forward. Yeah. Yeah, so I went I think to part of
1: it- Sorry, I was just going to say I think part of it too is just like you said just wanting to make more work. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got to get myself in a position here to buy mm-hmm. two more years, three more mm-hmm. years to just keep mm-hmm. keep working on things.
0: Yeah. And then I feel but like you, grad school at its best is like, I, at least for me in my experience was like it was like 10 years of painting like squished into two years. It was oh, like yeah, it was so much painting.
1: It's a pressure cooker of art.
0: It really is.
1: I think really when you is. get out too there's like that shock of how quiet it gets afterwards. Oh, totally. Like, wait a minute. What happened to all that rigor?
0: I know. Why isn't <laughs> everybody working? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very, it's like, you know, boiling broccoli for, you know, 10 minutes and throwing it in an ice bath. That's what it feels like in yes. school. Yes. And it, it gets real because you're like, okay, bills, you know? Yes. Real life.
0: And nobody cares whether you finish a painting or not unless it's like your painting friends. Yeah. Yeah, no and one
1: cares about the theory you read about. No, <laughs> you're you They know, it's definitely just, like, just survive, make some money, pay yes. the bills. Yes, buy, exactly. You know, get a studio. So, but was it good in Boston? Was that a good two years?
0: View was really intense. I I wouldn't say it was a happy time, but um, but it was a good time. I guess I was I. Continue to be so grateful for that time. I mean, what a privilege to be able to have two years to just paint and, you know, do a little teaching and just to be around the energy. Well, of jo- well John Walker really ran it like almost like a boot camp. Did you yeah. have him in grad school? Was he one of your teachers?
1: You know, he came to visit, but I don't think he was one of the, the people who came in. Like, you had to see a certain amount of like core faculty. And mm-hmm. then you could pick some of the visiting, um, you know, uh, critiques. And I, I don't think I ever spoke with him. Oh, okay. But I had yeah. friends who had studied in undergrad under him, and you know, I got the the report of what he was about. Mm-hmm. And I never really got to experience it firsthand.
0: Hmm. Hmm. He's intense. very yeah. He's intense, and he. I mean, he has really high expectations. He's not a man of a lot of words. You know, they're sort of these like. Um, kind of open ended critiques um or studio visits with him where you sort of left feeling like i'm not really sure where i stand or what that was but um but he's really good. one i think his gift is elevating you and your um just like your relationship to painting and just like where you sort of stand in the context of like this sounds so bombastic but sort of like in the history of painting you know he had this sort of british way of like always sort of putting everybody in the generations and sort of saying like this is how many generations like I'm removed from like Rembrandt and this is like where you stand and all that stuff right. which I, I mean I don't know I don't always buy into but it was it I just for that spirit in the grad program it was it was intoxicating and exciting yeah and then he just expected us to work all the time he's like it's just you know that's the only way this happens it's just hard work he had like kind of a
1: blue collar uh,
0: yeah yeah Yeah, kind of like tough, like get in there. If you're there on Sunday morning, I'll be happy. Like, Right. So.
1: Yeah, imagine that these days. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's No, I feel like with students these days, it must be so much harder because there's so many more distractions. Yes, exactly. And there's a little less, understandably, of this like singular focus on things. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. more of like, I'll do, I'll dip my toes in a lot of different Mm -hmm. things, which is... A lot of creative people these days do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, you know they, they're musicians, but they also design clothes and they... You know, whatever. There's like, you know, five or six different careers that you're doing at the same time. Yeah. And I think people's interests are wide.
0: Yeah. These I'm days. into that. I feel like I relate to that model more than to the singular model. Um, I, I know. I, it's it's, it's I a short life. To. There's a lot to do. <laughs> like, why not? Definitely. Yeah, move around. I, the only
1: The only problem is... I think if you subscribe to the the many different areas that you're mm-hmm. into, but you don't really work hard in any of those areas, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, because <laughs> then you're really diluting the pool there. Right, but you got to really bust it to to be, you know, like to take, you know, his kind of like work ethic and not just put it in the studio every single day, but also be doing those other things. But I do think the core, like, you have to work hard. You know, mm-hmm. That's like the the base floor of all of it. Yeah. I were like, you working, ev- ev- Everyone were you works really so hard? hard.
0: I just look around and I'm like, everybody works hard at what they do. I mean, I just think, yeah, people, it's, life it demands so much of you. Um, What was that question?
1: No, it does. No, I was like, did that rub off in grad school? Like, were you, working, were you there all the time, just like painting, painting, painting?
0: Yeah, I was there all the time. But we were all there all the time because we were kind of like scared of him, too. So... <laughs> I was there (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) it feels kind of like archaic to me now but yeah that was the scene yeah I don't and it's like in some ways I don't remember it all that well it was it was heavy it was I was glad to be done with it when it was over and it's only gotten better you know that sort of thing people always tell you when you're young these are like the best days I just don't think that's true I just think it gets better and better (laughs) as you get older actually
1: I agree. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the best days are like, I don't get tired at 10 p.m. Like, that right. maybe. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but there's a lot of other things that come with experience and, and you know, uh, with a little insight over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a little really great.
0: Totally, a little agency, too. It's like, yeah. Yeah, not being at the mercy of it all.
1: I, I liken it to like grad school being kind of like boot camp. Yeah, like I'm. Sh- I'm sure no Marine looks back at boot camp and says, so- "No, those were the good old days." So. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, but they form you. You know, like that hard work mm-hmm. and just busting it, like mm-hmm. sort of provides mm-hmm. you for a foundation of being mm-hmm. able to like apply that to you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. In a way, yeah. Art boot camp, <laughs> just like baby boot camp. I talk about this all the time. You know, the first <laughs> six months of having a kid, you know, you you learn a lot about yourself. <laughs> You learn about sleep deprivation and how much you can get done with three hours of sleep, you know?
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, who you are at, like, 3.30 in the morning after only getting a couple hours of sleep for, like, the last three weeks where you're, like, a shell of yourself, yeah.
1: After you yeah, ate the wow. pint of ice cream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, those are those are good life experiences, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, it got me through, both Gideon and I got through the first, uh, maybe the first year of having children by watching Thirty Rock, it was humor. It was like the only thing that got us through. Oh, Otherwise yeah. we're holding it's, on by a thread.
1: Super helpful.
0: So helpful.
1: Yeah, definitely. You find those little things that, that just become that, you know, the release. <laughs> so Absolutely. was it um so what? so when you get out of grad school, what was the plan? Like did you
0: So when I did, got out of grad school, I actually ended up moving to Maine I got a grant through the Robert Motherwell Foundation Mm -hmm. which made me feel like I could do something like move to Maine with Gideon whose dad was dying of Lou Gehrig's disease so we came up to Maine which here in Midcoast where we live now and he was a sheep farmer and he had sold all his sheep and we basically moved up here and within like a couple months of moving here he died and we were here which was actually kind of great because you're we here for his mom for that year he was here for his mother so yeah but that meant that I was in that talk about like the ice bath the broccoli ice bath or whatever you know going from grad school where it was so intense to being here in sleepy mid-coast Maine for the winter yeah um but we have we had a great studio space in Rockland and and we just painted really and worked a little jobs here and there I did and um And then we moved to, then I moved to New York. I moved to Brooklyn after that. I was ready for something a little bit more.
1: Right. So it was a big change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Big change from grad school, big change from Maine back to, or to New York City after that. Yeah, it was huge.
1: So the, uh, you know, the move to Brooklyn was kind of like, okay, now I'm going to get. Into that community, were you missing a little bit of the community? Because in oh, grad school, absolutely. you, get, you know, twenty-four hours a day. There's impact yeah. whether you like it or not. And yeah. then, I'm sure Maine was a little more quiet.
0: It was super quiet. Did you um, miss
1: that kind of dialogue? Oh I mean, yeah. But I know you have Gideon, so it, at least you. It wasn't just you. You know, I you, did.
0: I did have Gideon. Almost well, like a lot to put on one person. Is <laughs> like yeah. the whole community uh, the need for a whole community. No, I mean we have we had friends up here then and certainly we have tons of friends now, but like um, we know it was so great to go back to New York where, or to go to New York where so many of my friends from grad school had settled down and, and friends of Gideon's and no, it was like instant, you know, painter community. Yeah. Um, That was really, that was, so I was there for a couple of years and that was great. It was great i'm so glad i did it i feel like new york is so different than it was and this would be like 2004 2005 2003 ish that time i mean it feels insanely different but it already yeah, felt changed. like public like williamsburg already felt over in like 2003 and it's hilarious to me that it's like still still going strong
1: it's like yeah, well, it goes strong in a different way. It's a very different yeah. way, yeah. <laughs> like, it was going, like, art-strong there for a little, with, like, a creative community, and now it's just, yeah. going, you know, like, Soho-strong. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, you yeah. spent two years, and you had a studio here? Mm-hmm, Yeah. So, you were just making work, and then, after the two years, you, when did you first start showing your work?
0: Um showing my work let's see well i mean i would i did funny things like i had a friend who had a small space up in harlem and i would show work there she's not there anymore she doesn't have it anymore um around then um i'm trying to think when did i first start showing my work and then i showed it in maine pretty consistently
1: yeah you've always had that community there right
0: yeah maine has a great community but in New York, I think I really didn't show in New York until I worked with Stephen Harvey, mm-hmm. um, and he's put me in a bunch of things here and there over the years. And now I'm working yeah. with Sarah at Mrs. Gallery, Mrs. Yeah. yeah, in Queens,
1: which is a great spot in Maspeth, Not too. It's far so from great. Where I
0: am. Yes, yeah. yeah, it feels really good over there. Feels fresh. That's funny.
1: Yeah, Maspeth is that, you know, it's one of those areas <laughs> that's mm-hmm. just not, I mean, there's no public transpor- transportation mm-hmm. besides buses, so I think people miss it a bit, like, they're not really aware of it, but um, I, I happen to coach soccer there, and, you know, our field is over in Maspeth, right. really close to where Mrs. is, and um, and just being in that community and knowing some people who live there, it's such a great, like, it, it feels so different. Like, yeah. Little houses and yards and you know, it's got a nice vibe to it.
0: Yeah, it does. Uh, Yeah, the scale is really nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the public transportation thing, that's a bummer, but, yeah, it feels like it has, I don't know, there's just like room to move around and it feels like a real neighborhood where she is too.
1: Definitely. Well, if there were public transportation, it wouldn't be like that. Mm -hmm. Like if there were a train stop, I mean, Mm -hmm. there's public transportation, but if there Mm -hmm. were a train that stopped there, it would be Mm -hmm. overdeveloped and gone. Mm So, Mm-hmm. I guess you kind of need that
0: hmm yeah
1: so what drove you after the two years to to split
0: well i um I got a job teaching at Bowdoin. so mm-hmm. and that sort of morphed into it was like a one year thing and it morphed into like a three year thing and so then so we were back in Maine and we lived in Portland for a year. Gideon got a Guggenheim that year so he had that and um, we had a fantastic dreamy year in portland that first year and then we felt like the pull to come up to mid-coast um gideon's family has this farm this sheep farm um that didn't have any sheep on it anymore after his dad died but um we just felt like we needed to help out so we decided to move up here and buy a place and settle in and so that's where we've been pretty much since i mean gideon did we did go to boston for a couple of years when he had a teaching job but um we're back here
1: in Midcoast. I mean, it, it seems like the main draw is pretty, pretty hard. It seems like the right spot.
0: It's good. It's good. There's such
1: a great art thing there too. Like, you know, cause I went to Skowhegan, which was yeah. an amazing. Exp- I mean, talk about making work in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, my, and my studio was the furthest out where all the cows, like you had to walk through the cow pasture to mm-hmm. get to it. And it just, it was something incredible about making work. So kind of like you know out in the middle i mean it's a great artist community there but at nine o'clock at night when you're in this little shed making art yeah and the door opens to a forest you know what i mean if fe- you feel pretty out there which was great and um you know and alex katz like his whole connection mm-hmm. with the museum up there i mean it's just such a there's there's a really great i think legacy of art up there and and it's so yeah. beautiful at the same time so yeah sure
0: and Alex Katz and Lois Dodd I mean they were drawn here to paint I mean I guess probably after both going to Skowhegan I'm assuming yeah um I know you really have to like you have to contend with yourself too when you're in these quieter places which might be part of the appeal um I know it. it's good it's a funny community it's it's supportive it can feel like very small and then it can feel also like you can have these connections with people that if you were like in an urban setting, you would never have a chance to connect with them like right. Alex or Lois. Um, but it's it's a great place to get a lot of work done. That's what we always feel like.
1: And I mean, the studio space. like I know. You, you, follow, say, that you,
0: like, <laughs> you say that like such a New Yorker. And the studio <laughs> space. Yes. I know I wish this you know honestly I wish the studio space was better where we are it's not fantastic because we're on the coast and so I think there's a sort of like real estate crush a little bit up against the Mm -hmm. coast like pressure um so a lot of the mill spaces here in Camden were co-opted by and bought up and redeveloped by this credit card company in the 90s so it's like a lot of the good spaces got turned into like cubicles which is so disheartening and depressing but um yeah, there is a lot. I think a lot of people in Maine just like f- use their outbuildings. You know, I think people I like turn their garages say. and their barns and everything yeah. into working spaces. There are a couple great mills like in Brunswick. There's the Androscoggin mill um, that is just it goes on and on and on and houses all kinds of stuff. But, you know, including like a bunch of really fantastic artists are there. Um, and my Lincoln Street Studio building is pretty great, too, especially with the you know, we've got this residency, this ongoing residency program. So people are coming from all over the state and now they can actually live and work there. They've converted it. So that's exciting. Um, Rockland was so sleepy, like so many years ago. when when I first started hanging out up here, it was a lot of like, you know, dead storefronts full of like bricks and stuff like that, like nothing happening. And now Rockland calls itself the arts capital of Maine. So who knows? I don't know.
1: It's burgeoning. It is. (laughs) Well, I, part of, I guess my, you know, being like the studio space, part of that idea of being able to have enough land where if you wanted to in the back, you could just build this enormous studio. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. just seems so mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. You know, we, we debate the upstate thing and we you know we look at places and to think to, that you could go out there and just have a studio that's probably like, you know, five times what I have here and the price you know I know
0: just- I know it's but you know it's it's like finding that balance because I think the most imp- like the most important thing I mean besides, I mean space is great but it's like other people like people are so important like this oh, I mean I think like like we, I have this idea like oh, I was like kind of a shy person so I end up like you know figuring out this like world and life for myself where I spend a lot of time alone in a room but as I get older I'm like more social and like more hungry to like be around people And then I feel like the whole point of painting in a way is to communicate, right. And like, and share something with other people. And so I'm less and less interested in the like giant, like the giant space and like the solitude and all of that. Um, But I hear you and I know like, it's always what we don't have, right. It's like, you're there where things are expensive and there isn't a lot of room and, but there is a ton of amazing people. And here I am with like amazing people, but less of them. And more space so right. it's always what we want what we don't have I guess the, the grass is always greener for it sure it is indeed it is indeed yeah I mean
1: do you think I would be here if it weren't for the amazing culture and, <laughs> I know I know, like, I know like you're
0: paying out the nose so you can be around all these great people yeah
1: right it's, <laughs> it's certainly not for like the trash laden streets and like know. the exorbitant rents and all that stuff
0: <laughs> I know yeah
1: but then I can go out and see like any music I want and you know mm-hmm. what I mean it's the food mm-hmm. the food's mm-hmm. pretty incredible too mm-hmm. so. I know it's it's that's a, a good part of it what about for you like music what's the music situation did you were you a big music fan growing up and do you listen to music in the studio or right I love music
0: that? um yeah. I totally listen to music in the studio I feel I'm a little bit I think I have to like get into like kind of a rut almost with music though when I'm working like it's either it has to be quiet or it has to be something I know really well Sometimes if I'm working on, like I I make a lot of prints and sometimes something about like the, the routine of the print shop, because it's a little bit more like sort of like technical, you know, it's like, I don't know, rolling things out, tearing paper, like kind of doing the same thing over and over again. Because of that, I feel like I could listen to a new record. Like I remember listening to Kendrick lamar's record for the first time in the print shop and then basically having it on repeat for like six months. But it was like I had to mm-hmm. like kind of absorb it the first three or four listenings to it while I was doing something I don't know, just a little more redundant. Um right, right. Yeah. No, but I I do I list I I do listen to all kinds of stuff. Um I also a record that I really loved, and I'm not gonna say his name right, this is sort of embarrassing, but um I was doing this little residency, this great residency in Maine called Hune Oaks. um, And it takes place in Lovell, Maine. And it's mostly for Maine residents, but they occasionally will like accept people from out of state just because they're trying to like get people sort of exposed to the residency experience. um, Give people like kind of a, give give people a foot in the door sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was on my way there and I was listening to BBC and they had talked about i think his name is jeffrey ortamia is that how you say his name had just died and he made this record with brian eno maybe in the early 90s anyway it's the most like haunting beautiful record i can like look up what it's called um and i listened to it over i definitely want to check it i listened to it all like over and over and over again um while I was there and I'm sorry I'm speaking slowly because I'm like looking at where it is but I'll, I'll find it let's
1: see How wait how did you come across it
0: oh BBC I was listening to BBC because he had just oh, died okay. yeah let me look where it is Um. yeah so anyway yes but I'm not like I'm not a musician at all um, Gideon's family is really musical and so they all like mm-hmm. sing and do all this stuff I can't find it right now for some reason multitasking is not my strong suit um,
1: so he's bringing an element of music into the household.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Gideon plays. He has, you know, he's he'll be more interesting to talk to about this than I will. I mean, he's like <laughs> music is such a huge part of his studio. It's for me, it's just I listen to it, and it certainly adds like an emotional component or just a, you know, sometimes just a background thing. Sometimes it feels like a driving force. Um, but yes, I do listen to music.
1: Well, can I do something completely unfair? Totally. <laughs> um, so when I'm looking at your work. Yeah. I uh, it makes me think like sonically, it sounds kind of improv y but not, you know, kind of mm-hmm. jazzy, but also really kind of fun and upbeat. Mm-hmm. So it's got like I don't know, like a, a high like a Nigerian high life feel to it with hmm. a little bit of like electronic stuff that I think mm. of. But it has this real kind of it seems like a fun exploratory kind of play to it. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, that's totally fair. I I like that. Thank you actually. That's
1: yes. I, I feel that way. I mean that's how the, I
0: feel in my studio. Like yeah.
1: Oh, that's good. I was yeah. about to say I gather maybe all the time you're not dancing around like <laughs> having a you know how some work just looks really fun, but it's a slog? Like, people are like, oh, i got to figure out this, you know, and they're struggling with, like, making it work, but it just looks like fun.
0: Yeah, no, my my work is really fun to make. I do feel like that. I think there's something, like, when I turned 40, I was like, I'm done. I'm done with slogging. Like, I'm done with feeling like, 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 I just feel there's, there's a weight that comes with just having so much, I mean, really so much privilege, right, to do this thing. Yeah, that I was like, but I'm going to, it's, it's going to be good. Like it's going to be, it's going to be like alive and like, I'm feel grateful and excited. And, um, yeah, I try to bring that energy into the work too.
1: I, I feel like I had that same revelation at some point where it's like, you know what I'm going to do? I mean, it's going to sound bad. <laughs> It's okay. I feel like you know what I just want to do what I want to do and I want to mm-hmm. have fun with it like I want to make the stuff I want to make and I think maybe I don't know if it's parenting I don't know if it's age or experience but you mm-hmm. hit a point where you're like you know what F it I'm just going to do what I want to do and mm-hmm. if people are into it great mm-hmm. but I want to be into it and I'm mm-hmm. not going to sweat it mm-hmm. you know, so like these, but maybe it's like
0: I, it's like shedding all those voices though it's like you have all these shoulds and coulds like kind of in your mind for so long but if you can kind of, like, get rid of those a little bit and and just, like, maybe, like, pare it down like where you're really hearing yourself, like, then that is somehow, like, translatable in the work. Like, people can, like, feel that, that it's, like, truly Brian. Yeah. And then it's, like, more exciting.
1: I That's what we all hope, right? That like, Right. That people are really interested in, like, what we're interested Or, like, they can feel the sort of uh, earnest like joy or or you know i don't want to say celebration but you know like making what you want to make and hopefully right. that comes across kind of like if someone writes a really earnest song that they really put all their passion in you hope that the listeners really feel those words and feel it even right. if it's not their cup of tea necessarily right Do you know
0: yes yes totally and but i think also there's something the comes with it with age too where you're like well fuck it. Like not everybody is going to be that into it. So whatever, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. And that is definitely, a, <laughs> that is happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: You get to the point where you're like, Oh, I'm not going to please everyone. So I might as well just please myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm going to do yes. what I'm passionate about and do what I want to do. And hopefully people respond to it. Yeah. You know, there's going to be, I'm still shocked when I, when I talk to people about work and they're just like, yeah, I just don't like that person's artwork or just like really dismissive of something because even if I don't like work or I'm not that interested in it, I try to find I mean these people are dedicating their life to it you know what I mean I, I try to find what they're what's motivating them and find something in that instead of just yes. dismissing it yeah Whereas I, I know think when you're younger you just want to dismiss everything because you want to kind of like you know feel like well what I'm doing is important this other stuff eh. I, yeah not that I was like that but I think a lot of people do that
0: yeah yeah and then I always feel like no matter who they are no matter how much the work like doesn't really work for you it's like like hearing the person or talking to the person or I don't know it always changes it for me too like just kind of I don't know just connecting with them as people if I don't connect with them as people through their work but I might connect with them in real life it will change it for me a little bit yeah no I know let's it goes back to my thing it's like everybody works so hard How could we not, like, at least have respect for how hard they're working and what they're doing?
1: I don't know. I think since that whole economic bust of the late 2000s, I've found that artists are more and more supportive of each other. I agree. And maybe social media helps that with people sharing other people's Mm -hmm. work. But it just Mm -hmm. feels like a really good environment right now for artists. Where people are celebrating other people's work. It was never like that when I first started showing, like when I was out of school. I feel like it was kind of like the competitive nature made people want to kind of just tout themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? It seems yeah. different now.
0: Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think people are really supportive of one another and it's a great scene.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you must have found that too because, you know, being in Maine, which is a little you know, it's not quite as dense as New York City. Um, You know, um, having social media and connecting with people over the internet, I'm sure, is, is a good thing for you, right?
0: It's huge, yeah. Yeah, it's totally huge. I mean, just like, I mean, I think about how it was, like, before the internet, how you'd have to, like, call up, like, Gagosian and be like I would like a catalog of the most recent show and like wait for it to like come in the mail or something <laughs> <laughs> like use your dial phone to like call Gagosian but now it's like I mean just how much I mean you almost have to like check yourself like how much you can like take in over right. social media is I mean sometimes it's yeah it's just too much but um, it's really inspiring no, I, yeah. I, I get so much from everyone out there it's it's
1: big that's yeah, a great thing and w- one other thing about your work the color the color is really there's something about the color
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> I love color that I,
1: res- that I respond to I mean what what, is, what are the things I mean obviously your work is tapping into I think ceramic printmaking you know other forms of working that mm-hmm. I'm sure are inspiring you what is the sort of inspiration and what are the things you're looking at and what is kind of like you know, I don't want to say informing, but like in the cloud of your, you know, art brain.
0: <laughs> right. The foggy cloud of my art brain. Um, Well, I feel like color is like a, it's like a great, I, I feel like it's an, a, an invitation I think to people too. I think of it as sort of like a way to call people into the work a little bit. And so it's like, if I'm going to use color, it's not that I want it to be like garish or like over the top, but I want it to be enticing. Um, and so I guess I think I think of color like in terms of like families of color and like how they kind of work against and with one another. And so kind of each piece is sort of like usually whether I'm working as like a large paper painting drawing sort of thing or if I'm working in oil on canvas, like I really think about color as like two sets and then maybe there's like sort of a wild card thrown in there. That's sort of like that's like, like a process, like technical um, idea around color for me and I do think all my great thinking really happens at the palette too like when I'm mixing color like I feel like that's like where it's like really the painting starts to cook for me is in that moment Um, but I do want to I want to keep it like fresh and surprising and like maybe like a little bit like strange too is sort of my approach
1: yeah but it feels intuitive.
0: Color intuitive. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I... Yeah. I feel like I've always loved it and I've always been able to use it. It's not something I struggle with. It's just something I try to like use in a way that helps the work.
1: I've seen studio shots of what looks to be a black and white, maybe ink drawing, some sort of drawing, and then a painting next to it that obviously the composition... Is looking like it's informing it is that a big part of the process is making drawings that then morph into the framework for the paintings Mm -hmm. or is it purely improvisational each time
0: the paintings no the paintings are um they're everything they're improvised but they're also made looking at things that i've already made um and you know there's no like clear like step-by-step process for it but I mean, drawing is something that I do, like, before, during, and after painting. It's something that, like, I use to, like, kind of warm myself up to making paintings if I have been, whatever, haven't been working in oil painting for a little while. It's something that I'll use to kind of, like, decompress, like, after making a set of paintings. It's just before they leave the studio, I'll try to do Mm -hmm. that. Um, No, it's, it's, you know, it's just, like, a regular part of it. It's almost, like, not separate from the painting. It's just but it's not even it's like drawing like it feel drawing to me feels like a way to just like work and this is probably like a given like every painter is listening to us be like yeah no duh but like drawing to me is like a way to like kind of work through a lot of ideas like quickly too which then I hope like I can kind of like bring into the painting like skip a couple steps and like bring it right into the painting
1: yeah yeah I feel like drawing and sketching is such a integral part of the process but it's where a lot of the secrets of future stuff lies you yes, know? yes, and almost unconsciously it's like oh I was thinking about that like four years ago and it turns out to be like a new idea for a group of work or you know yeah, it's, like it's so
0: direct I mean again like such a cliche about drawing but like it's like literally like if your finger is just like extended by an inch and has like a piece of charcoal on it it's like it's so close to being like part of you physically when you make a drawing yeah it, yeah
1: and i think it ties back to that idea that there's something like our intuitive way of working drawing, mm-hmm. it's so visceral and kind of primal in that sense and that we're mm-hmm. we're just we keep like hitting that tuning fork of our being mm-hmm. and, and making work that that is in that pitch you know what mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. and totally. it's just like it, it it kind of unconsciously does that but you're always trying to tweak it and and play with it but the the core of it is there you know
0: yeah yeah Intu- uh, oh. intuitive is such an interesting i've been thinking about this in my studio like intuition in the studio like intuition i don't know if i'm like not defining this correctly but this idea that it's like something that we're sort of i guess innate would be something we're born with right
1: yeah or intrinsic
0: right intrinsic but i this idea i i always say like almost like just accumulated knowledge like you know it's like we have this experience of like being in the studio and like doing this thing over and over again where it's like it becomes almost like a body knowledge of working where you like skip your brain completely which is of course totally not true because every your brain is everything but like yeah it's such an interesting thing and I think drawing like really taps into that accumulated knowledge like very quickly
1: yeah definitely it's weird because I went a great length without doing figure drawing which is such Mm -hmm. a you know core of a lot of Mm -hmm. early art learning you know of drawing yeah and then I jumped back into a teaching an advanced figure drawing class and I hadn't drawn the figure in so long but my confidence in drawing or just the the idea of what Mm. I want to accomplish in it I found that like I was making pretty good drawings considering that I hadn't been practicing that actual like drawing the figure over and over right but my whole like when I was in class it was like I really wanted to make things look right or if I did want to tweak things I wanted it to be really it was like hyper conscious of what I wanted Mm -hmm. to try to do Mm -hmm. and I feel like at this point it was just like no this drawing's gonna do this and that confidence really I think helps Mm -hmm. but again experience it's like it's you like we're making work now. That's the culmination of all the things we've done up until this point. Right. And that's undeniable. That doesn't necessarily make it good, but it's just, it's in there. Right.
0: Yes. Yeah. And that like our differentiation between like whatever drawing, whatever you were drawing versus like the figure, it's like, it doesn't mean anything. It's like all one, it's all one piece. You know, it's like all one, one long song as they say. Um, I think that the way we like divide it all up is sort of arbitrary, but
1: what are you working on now?
0: So I am I'm about to start like a giant woodcut. Um
1: That for, sounds cool. How, yeah. how giant is giant so
0: giant that I actually just realized I'm not gonna be able to print it on a press, which I'm kind of bummed about, but um uh, math is not my not my forte obviously I should have done the measuring beforehand um, but I'll be able to do it by hand I think I'm going to do I'm going to use my studio floor as like the press essentially like I, the paper is going to be I think it's like 46 inches by 30, by 61 or something like that so it's pretty big um, and I have these um, like individual pieces of wood that I've cut as well as like old wood cuts that I've cut up and I'll just kind of improvise with them um, luckily I don't have to audition it which would be a total nightmare but um, I just have to do a one-off and then I'm getting ready I'm starting some small paintings and I have these big paintings going from the summer that I sort of think of as like mentors to this body of work that I'm starting for uh, you know I have my show I have a show coming up at Mrs. in April um, so that's really where I am and I have I have one big paper piece I need to also make for a commission Sounds um, good. Yeah, yeah. But I'm really happiest moving like in between all of these things. Like I feel like each one becomes sort of like a counter stretch to the other one, and I think really helps the work. So it's fun. I like keeping that's it good. lively, lively yeah, and when chaotic. You,
1: when you, right. When you have different things <laughs> going on, it's good that that's fuels the process and doesn't yeah. you know overwhelm the process. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I know. Yeah.
1: I love it. I love like you know I do digital work too like animations and it's a, it's so good once in a while to step away from the one way of working to do the other mm-hmm. thing it's like mm-hmm. a, taking a breath you know yeah I feel like I need that
0: uh, you do need that yeah I mean I, yeah we're so like as humans we're so good at so many different things like why get stuck in one mode
1: exactly I'm gonna make my students listen to that you have to listen yeah. all the way to the end so you get that little <laughs> right. nugget of wisdom.
0: <laughs> That's a lot for one nugget. <laughs> just make them fast forward through it all.
1: <laughs> one hour and 10 minutes in. Just go straight <laughs> to that <next. laughs> um, Oh, dear. Well, thanks for taking all this time to talk yeah,
0: to Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for thanks for inviting me on.
1: Yeah, and well, and how can people find your work? So, obviously, your website, my which website is my website. MeganBrady.com
0: dot com mm-hmm. um, and yeah. Mrs Gallery,
1: which is a great. Everyone should go see that. Go <laughs> check out Mrs Gallery in Masbeth, <laughs> and then <laughs> you're going to be there in April, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I'll be there April fourth. I'm an opening, and then also I ha- I'm part of this great five woman show up in Buffalo, New oh, York. If Buffalo, you find yourself, right? yeah at at SUNY Buffalo, at the UB Anderson Gallery, um, along with. Um, trisha kateley meg lipke uh adrian coburn and melissa Dodarian, mm-hmm. and then uh gideon and i have a two-person show at tulsa coming up university of oklahoma tulsa nice. in november and that's up i think through december
1: are you going out there
0: yeah have we're you gonna been? go no i've never been and we're gonna check out so we're really excited to i don't know what it is exactly but the um Bob Dylan archives are there now. I'm oh. just I'm saying this to you because I know like music is your thing. Yeah, and, that and sounds cool. Along with painting. Know. Um, and then I think it's also the Woody Guthrie archives are also out there. So that That's some right? history. Yeah. yeah, and supposedly like a really great old school venue, music venue, that Mark Lewis, who's organizing this, has been telling us about too. So
1: sounds fun. Yeah, painting and music. A, yeah, the best of both worlds. I know. <laughs> that'll be great yeah okay well well thanks a lot for taking the time out
0: well thanks for having me
1: yeah, yeah. it's great to talk to you
0: great to talk to you Ryan thanks
1: and vision is recorded edited and produced by myself brian alfred you can find more images from the podcast and uh, for the artist's work at sound and vision podcast on instagram you can find more about my work at alfred studio on instagram uh, sound and podcast.com is where you can find episodes past episodes running all the way back from number one you can find images on there you can even donate to the podcast if you'd like to support it thanks to lola and to michael lovett for their musical contributions, and thanks to all the listeners.